0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Taylor. Take your Bibles, if you will. Turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. As you're turning there, I would encourage you to keep your Bible open. Uh, We'll be sharing some things from the first 11 verses. And uh, as we do, I'm sure you'll make reference back to these verses alongside of me, okay? What a joy to see you today in the Lord's house. Those of you who may be visiting, it's a pleasure of ours to have you here, and we trust that this experience will be worthwhile and meaningful to you. The last few weeks I've been preaching about the experiences of Jesus uh, in or around uh, the Sea of Galilee, and I got to thinking, uh, you know, it's sort of like water draws people. and In Jesus' life, what we discover is it draws uh, opportunities for Jesus to use these uh, water experiences to strengthen the faith of those uh, His disciples uh, whom He was leading as well as teaching. So this is another one of those experiences. You remember uh, in one He had sent the guys to the other side of the lake and in the midst of that a storm arose and He came to them walking on the water. Another experience, they had uh, uh, made a journey to go across the lake again, and that particular night the disciples awake him and said, Lord, there's a storm, do you care that we're not uh, about to perish? Therefore the Lord awoke and he calmed the sea, and what you discover with me is that he's always uh, faithful to use his surroundings uh, in order to encourage people in their faith. And so we find in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 1 today, it says, And it came to pass, that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them, and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land." And he sat down and told the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, praying or saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and uh, he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, for from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed Him. Again, one of those experiences that uh, a boat was used, uh, just like in the other two experiences I reminded you of, again, the disciples were involved, not all of them, like we might have discovered when He came walking on the sea, but yet uh, we discover that it is a, a wonderful experience, though, in which Jesus not only will supply the spiritual needs of the people he is speaking to, but he will also supply the physical needs of those who were willing to learn from this experience. There's going to be three points I want you to see with me. First of all, I want you to see the master teaching. The master teaching. Those first four verses particularly speak to this issue that I see. And I see first of all the masses or the groups of people that would follow Jesus, usually, after uh, that experience with John the Baptist, after Jesus was baptized, after Jesus had went into the uh, type or into the mountain there, the Mount of Temptation, we see when he would come back and begin his earthly ministry that there were many experiences in which there would be multitudes involved. You would see the 5,000 he would feed of men uh, at one occasion. However, not all groups were masses. You remember the time he went to Jacob's well, and there was just one there. But Jesus was readily adaptable to all that were around Now again, the mass uh, I get there is that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God there by the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee. Now as we see uh, these masses, remember that again uh, uh, Jesus would tell us and uh, give us assurance that where two or three are gathered together in his name, that is a significant group as well. I like people, I like groups of people, but I'm not discouraged when the group gets smaller. Why? Because those who need Him or need to hear from Him, if you're here, you will uh, maybe get the message that God has for you today. Not only the masses, but look at the methods. You know, it had been said of Him and would be said of Him many other times uh, that uh, one occasion never a man spake like this man. Another time, it said that even the winds and seas obey him. But when you stop for a moment and you examine his methods, uh, they could have easily said, we have never seen it done this way before. Now, you know, that's usually a, a death nailed into the uh, wood, is it not? Why? Because uh, there are ever-changing ways... Uh, to share the never-changing gospel. I picture that on the Sea of Galilee that day. As they were on that uh, ledge, people had gathered, and Jesus would be standing there. And much to uh, His appreciation, there's two boats there that are empty. And Jesus would occupy one of the boats, and the Scripture would remind us that He would say unto Simon, whose boat He had gotten into, He would say, thrust out a little from the land, and then Jesus would sit down in the boat and teach those people great truths. Folks, let me say something about methods. Again, you've heard that little quote that I gave, which is not original, by the way. But there are ever-changing ways to share the never-changing gospel. It is possible and even probable that there are people sometimes who worship more the methods than we do the man or the message. You know, we can readily see a change, maybe in the way the bulletin is handled. Or we might even say, hey, we usually pray right there when we're singing. There are many who who dwell on how we have always done things before. And, folk, nobody likes continuity better than I do. But we must understand that we're living in a time with great opportunities. I remember back in the 80s when I had first started pastoring in 81. It was a year or two after that. I was uh, helping my dad because he owned a business, and uh, I could just uh, maybe help him a day every now and then. And I remember on a job site one day there was a fella learned I was a pastor, and he said, man, have you been on television? And I'm thinking, man, I don't even hardly own a television. What are you talking about? And, you know, just so innocently, within the span of 35, 40 years, 35 years, what happens is everybody can almost be on television, can't they? I'm not saying that is a method that uh, we ought to all try to copy or emulate, but the reality is this, that what was... Uh, What was a faint thought 35 years ago? Maybe what uh, Second Baptist Church would see as needful 40 years ago or 30 years ago when you moved over here. Many of those methods have already changed. It is not to say those methods wasn't good. It's just simply to say if if we continue to do the same things the same way, I can guarantee you what will happen is we'll get the same results. And, folk, I'm not trying to be honorary there. I just want you to see that Jesus was not married to a method. You remember one time when He fed the 5,000, He was standing most likely on the edge of a mountain, looking down on them like an amphitheater. Jesus always was ready uh, to meet the people where they were, and His methods uh, did not resemble themselves uh, on one side of the sea versus the other. Thirdly, as I think about his methods, I also am reminded here about his motive. Why would Jesus now uh, be so consumed with a crowd of people who are gathered there by the Sea of Galilee? Why would he take so much concern to look and get creative when, uh, when his when I'll call it his platform, might not have been readied? Well, I think the answer is Matthew eleven twenty eight when he said, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and also my burden is light. Jesus The scripture reminds us, came to seek and to save that which is lost. So when we see the motive there, he was drawing people unto himself because Jesus realized that there was no way to the Father except through the pardon and forgiveness of sin in which Jesus himself would author. So we see the motive. I was looking back and... Even this morning in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and verse 19, if you remember when Jesus came to the temple starting His earthly ministry uh, that really jump-boarded Him off into uh, the people's sight, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, liberty to them that are bruised, and also preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Oh, listen folks, what Jesus was reading that day was literally uh, verses that come out of the passage there in Isaiah. Well, Jesus had the motive right, did He not? Jesus' desire, seeking and saving those which were lost, we find that still the message of our day. And then we look at the message briefly, okay? I could not help but be reminded in Luke chapter, I mean not in Luke, but in John chapter 3, verse number 14, it said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know, we always want to quote the next verse. And forget the first verse, or the 14th. Why? Because we know the Scripture said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Did you know He used an Old Testament example? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? If you know that text, what you know is those people uh, who had been bitten could look to the... Cross there, not the cross, but look to the serpent, and they would live. Friend, let me tell you, there's one way to life, and that's through Jesus. And He said, as Moses did, so shall it be, for the Son of Man lifted up. The Master teaching. Oh, isn't it amazing how if you're desirous to share the Word of God, that you'll always have a platform from which to share it. You may not be handy, I mean, there may not be a handy boat next to the place that you're standing. They might not be a pulpit on the street corner. You might be in a, a place there of eating, and someone might be in line, and that might be the platform God's going to use for you to share the good gospel message. The master. Teaching. Secondly, I want you to look with me, secondly, at the men laboring. Now, we already know there's two boats there, do we not? We already know also that one of the boats belonged to Simon Peter. Well, with two boats there, and one of them being Simon's, the Scripture reminded us uh, that these men were there as well, and they were mending their nets, Well, you're going to see in just a moment they had fished all night. Matter of fact, they had fished all night, and according to what I read in my Bible, they hadn't caught anything. I remind you that men and women who like to fish, they always like to talk about them times when they catch a lot, do they not? But you know what's something I've discovered about fishermen? And that is when they go all fishing and they don't catch a group or a bunch of fish, they won't tell you they went fishing and caught nothing. Some of you know how that works, do you not? You can even bring pictures back now with your cell phone. Jesus saw these men. These men were laboring to work and to clean those nets that had been used all night, but they had not Called a thing. When I looked at the men laboring, first of all, I was reminded of what I see here, and that is that they were weary in the work. Now, weary in the work is not necessarily saying that we're weary of work, okay? Yes, sometimes we like to think that we work harder than anybody else uh, Uh, that is on that job site. Sometimes uh, we might even would would say, well, we've got one person on that job site that does very little. We always want to compare our work. But help me today. Look, as you see, Jesus, in need of a platform to preach and teach the people, is now looking at fishermen over here who are cleaning and mending and washing their nets uh, because... uh, Jesus knows why they're doing that. They're really readying themselves uh, for the next fishing trip. Now, they're not fishing for fun, folks. They're fishing for a living. And if they don't catch, they don't eat, I'm sure. What I see here with the men laboring is that they were weary in the work. Master, we've told all the night when Jesus would ask them a question, not only work uh, and exhaustion, not only weary in the work, but notice they're going to be faithful to the Lord. We see that in a phrase we're fixing to go to, but we also see that in the phrase where Jesus tells Peter to thrust him out a little from the shore. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, ah, oh, look at it. Jesus now in Jesus now working, laboring. And uh, you know, and I know that he is uh, laboring with his heart, not so much with his hands that day, but as he is laboring, he understood where those men are. See, we have saw two things already. We have saw there the men laboring. Also, we have saw the master teach. Him. I not you to see a third thing now? And the third thing is the Lord's lessons. Sometimes I preach and I wonder when I'm driving back over to the house that little space is wonderful that I can just take and leave here and go there why because in uh, in the middle of my thinking sometimes I wonder I wonder if they got the lesson or not in Other words did they get anything out of what the Lord used me to say today or maybe did I just uh, say so much till there wasn't really a point to, about what uh, they were there to receive some of your school teachers, And I'm sure you have those opportunities. And in those opportunities sometimes, I would think that you might go home or the class might leave that day and you think for a moment, they didn't hear a word of what I said. Now, I'm not saying you don't hear a word of what I say on the morning when we're preaching or studying. But Jesus now tells them, verse 3, He entered one of the ships, prayed that he would thrust him out a little from the land. Let me tell you something about the lessons here, something of what I see in it. Number one is, the Lord engages us in His work. Now, it doesn't just so happen that these men have fished. It doesn't just happen that they have caught nothing. It doesn't just happen sometimes that the boats were there and Jesus needed a boat. Let me tell you something, God is at work all around us, like Henry Blackaby said. And God is desirous to involve him, or to involve us in his work. Have you ever noticed that maybe God is working in somebody's life? And it just so happens that God brings that person near you at the right time, and uh, you share a word, and, and because of that, you know, God could do it all without us. Did you know that? He could, but as I said last week, I believe God involves us in His work. I'm excited to tell you, and I'm always gracious when I'm filling out a, uh, a paper and it says job, or it says work phone, or work number, and you know, I have to scratch my head like some of you think sometimes and say, well, I don't really work, you know, but hey, God's involving us in His work. What is God doing around us? I pray that you see there that He is involving us in His work. He could have done what He was doing without their boat, is what I want you to see, like He could do without what I have. He not only engages us in His work, He encourages us in our work. Why else would He say to these men, as He did there, uh, why else would He say to them, go on, uh, you've mended your nets. now, what I want you to do in verse 4, we find there, he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Now, I, I, I can't quite see the net that they were using. However, some of you know different types of nets. You know a dip net. You know a, a seine in which you know, you say, I never used a seine legally or illegally. Well... We're not going there, but you know a cast net, and there's a lot of different nets, but I'm figuring that I don't really envision any of the ones like they might have had. But what Jesus said is, I remember you told me you caught nothing last night, but I'll tell you what, I want you to go back out, and I want you to let down your nets for a draught. See, God engages us in His work. He encourages us in our work. What are you doing presently that you need to be encouraged through? Reading the Sunday school lesson that we shared today in the sanctuary group, uh, it told of a, an illustration there of a pastor being observed by someone else and that every Monday that pastor would sit down and write ten cards uh, to various people that needed encouraging. Well, you know I see Jesus speaking a word of encouragement to his men. Now let me just go ahead and say this. I'm pretty sure that most of you are like the rest of us, and that is once in a while you need some encouragement. Now, I'm not saying that I have to have that, or I'm not saying I live for that, but I'll tell you what, humans need encouraging, and Jesus is doing that. Can you imagine, Peter? Because what does he say? He says, Now, Lord, you've got to remember that we we've told all night. But what he'll tell us is, nevertheless, at thy word, we will let, or I will let down the net. Amazingly. Maybe Peter's perception of that trip was it's gonna be just as fruitful as last night when we caught nothing. But he said, Hey, because you said it, Lord. I'll let the net down. Amazing what a difference it makes when we obey the Lord. He engages us in His work. He encourages us in His work. He enables us in His work. Yes, sometimes we feel like we're not capable. Other times we feel we're not worthy. But yet and still, who it is is the Master who is engaging us, the Master who is encouraging us, the Master who is enabling us in His work. There's a fourth thing I want you to see with me, and that is this, that He advances us in the work. The Scripture tells us about that particular time when they let their nets down after that evening of no fish it says there in verse 6, When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto the partners which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, uh, so that they began to sink. Now, I'm not going to indict anyone this morning, but surely you've had a similar trip, have you not? You might not have uh, caught enough fish that the boat was about to sink, but you probably caught enough that you had to go in at lunch and stow them away where you could go back this afternoon and catch your limit one more time. Now, that wouldn't go on with Baptists. That's some of them other people that do that. Jesus has allowed these men to see something that their natural eyes would not perceive. Friend, let me tell you, God is still the God of supernatural. Have we diminished our thinking by not allowing God to do greater things than we can think or imagine? Do you know there's been a time in all of our lives when we were tender and we were yielded to the Spirit of God? And the Spirit of God would move in worship services, prayer meetings, and various places, he would move as we see him in this text. He advances us in our work. last, he exalts himself through the work. Verse 8 said, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. We don't see the results of him sitting in a boat teaching the people on the shore, do we? He don't give us a report on that. But what we do see is that uh, at this experience that there is one man who was owning one of those boats. He says to Jesus, because of what has happened through it all, he says to Jesus, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. It says he was astonished. And all of those other fellows that were with him at the draught of the fish which they had taken. There was also James, John, the sons of Zebedee. There was partners of Simon. Jesus said unto Simon, fear not. For one of the lessons I've given you today, and that's just my words. He said, fear not. He says, from henceforth, you shall catch men Notice what that last verse says in 11. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Let me say something to you. In the days that we're living and worshiping, God isn't finished. You can talk about the way things used to be in the revivals you used to have in the places you used to go. You can talk about jail ministry that you used to be involved in, and we can talk about all sorts of those things. But let me tell you, the Lord would rather us not talk about doing that, but He would love for us to get busy in doing those things. When He tells us to let down the net, we could say, Lord, we haven't had anything good happen in three months, or in maybe the COVID case, a year and a half. Don't let that discourage us. God is still actively at work all around us. Matter of fact, I believe if you'll open your spiritual eyes, you're going to see somewhere that God is at work this week. Can I tell you what to do when you see it? Just join Him. Don't be afraid to share your personal testimony. Don't be afraid to tell someone else about Jesus as you bow your head with me today, can I really encourage you that I've never been on a fishing trip like I just read about. But you know what? I'm not discouraged by that. Yes, we know that in our lifetime there were some great events there in which we'll call it mass evangelism. Billy Graham sort of, he he broke the ground on that and Live to show us evidence of how those things work. But let me just say this. God, many times, we'll see Him working not in just large volumes, but also small volumes. If you're listening to us today by television, if you're listening and following us today by YouTube, I cannot encourage you enough, right where you are in your home as well, to trust Jesus. Lord, as Peter said, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Peter wasn't trying to be sinful, but yet what he recognized, when he measured himself up by you, there was no other measurement, but he was sinful because you're so perfect. Lord, in this group today, stir our hearts. Don't let us go away discouraged. Let us encourage one another because, God, there's there's so much. The field is white in the harvest. And, Lord, we need to let down our nets for a draught. Help us, Lord, today as we experience this invitation that we'll be found faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.